glad you're here today. Grateful for our online audience joining us as well. Uh, I'm excited for a new series, Always In, for the new things that God is uh, going to teach us, uh, things we will learn along the way, and things he will do in us to change us from who we are today. You know, this whole idea of breathing became very important to me over the last weeks, and um, it's a struggle. You know, it's something we do every day. You breathe all day long, every day, and you do it without thinking about it. But if you develop some kind of uh, illness or condition that restricts your breathing, you begin to think about it. And all of a sudden, uh, a single breath becomes very important, and wanting to take deep breaths becomes challenging, becomes very, very important to you. So this series is born out of partly where I've been. And God showed me some things through the process and still is about the importance of breathing, not just physically breathing, but spiritually breathing in the fullness of who he is. It's interesting how God has designed the physical body, and like we've talked a lot here at Vertical, what God does in the physical is often a picture of the greater reality of the spiritual, okay? If you know that, you start to see things unfold in God's wisdom. So he creates the human body so that life begins and exist by breath. When God creates Adam, God exhales into him, Adam inhales that life, and life begins for him. This is the importance of breath. Some suggest that you and I breathe about 20,000 times each day. It's a lot. And we do it without thinking. Our lungs have been designed to take in oxygen and transfer that to our red blood cells for the health of our body. They carry that oxygenated blood throughout every system within us. Our nervous system, muscular system, your digestive system, your cardiovascular system, even your immune system. Everything about you is driven by the breath that you take in. Your breath and your lungs also have a very important function in not just taking in, but breathing out what it has received, used, and now removes. Do you know that 70% of the toxins that are in your body leave by your breath? You talk about bad breath. No, really, the God has designed your body in such a way so that you breathe in oxygen, it comes through the lungs, and then what exhales is carbon dioxide. And it removes toxins from the body. Breathing is very, very important. And breathing deeply is very, very important to our physical health. And breathing deeply, oddly, we all think we know how to breathe because we do it every day. 
But most people do not know how to breathe deeply and effectively. And as a result, it can actually cause some unusual side effects for us. Do you know that if you are not breathing deeply enough, taking in enough oxygen, you will struggle with more tiredness throughout the day? You'll find yourself yawning a lot throughout the day because your body is craving more oxygen. It needs more intake. And so breathing deeply becomes very important, but not something we all do very well. So when I was in high school, I did not go the route of sports. I didn't play football, baseball, basketball, any of that. I went the route of band. And so when you're in band, one of the things they teach you is how to breathe properly. So I played the clarinet, tenor sax, and some other things. And if you want to play long on an instrument, you have to learn how to take in a deep breath. And then uh, prior to my senior year, I went away to a camp where they taught us how to be a drum major. And you'd think, you need a whole camp for that, right? Just to wave your arms. And there's a whole lot more to it. And one of the things they taught us was how to breathe properly. It's fascinating because I, had, I thought I knew but they taught us some things that week about breathing properly because you're going to march and lead. And if you're going to wave your arms at the same time while you're marching and blowing the whistle and all that, you better have a lot of breath inside you. And if you're going to yell, you better have a lot inside if you're going to put a lot out. So they taught us how to breathe properly. And I soon discovered it was the opposite of everything that I had thought about taking a deep breath. So most people, if you say, hey, why don't you take a deep breath? Here's what most people do. And they do everything wrong in that moment. They take it in through their mouth. Proper breathing comes in through your nose and out through your mouth. Now, right away, that's going to be a struggle for most of us because that's not what we've always done. And then the other thing that people do when they take a deep breath is they go like this. Shoulders go up, stomach goes in. If you do that, you're going to get about this much breath. Because the opposite is what you're supposed to do. Shoulders should stay down. You're, actually, your stomach should go out. I know it looks kind of funny. But you can take a really deep breath when you do that. You can keep your shoulders down and your stomach goes out. Your diaphragm works in the process and you can do this. You can take a much deeper breath. In through the nose, out through the mouth. Now, right away, you're probably thinking, this is not why I came to church today for a health lesson. I don't know what this is all about. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere with all this. There's a point to all of it. Breathing is an experience that is necessary for life. And proper breathing, being able to take a deep breath so that your body gets all the oxygen that it needs, actually provides greater health for you. So um, this became, of course, very important to me over the last weeks. Uh, walking through COVID. I developed a new compassion for people who've had COVID, but other lung issues as well. And uh, so I began to look at, you know, what are the benefits then of breathing deeply? Because I, I want to do that. L listen to some of the health benefits of breathing deeply. Of course, it provides greater oxygen to your blood, which provides greater overall health for your body. Uh, it strengthens your immune system. That's an important thing because if you can take oxygen in, your body then has what it needs to build up an immune protection 
and you're breathing out those toxins that you want to get rid of. It actually calms anxiety. So I, I've watched uh, Holly, our second born, and her husband uh, relate to their kids. And when, they get, when the kids get real anxious, they'll say to them, stop, take a deep breath. And it took a while for them to learn this, but the kids were like, they'd take a deep breath in through the nose, not through the mouth, actually. And they actually would calm down in that moment because it gave you this little space just to calm down for just this moment. But the body actually responds when it takes in more oxygen, it actually calms down. When you breathe well, when you're breathing deeply, it'll actually help you sleep better at night as well. It can reduce inflammation in the body because when you take in enough oxygen, it changes the acidity of the body. Interesting stuff. I'm not a health major. I'm not going to detail about all that stuff. But it also releases endorphins in our body. That's the stuff that helps you settle, feel better, and it serves as a painkiller for your body as well. So I thought, hey, I want to learn how to breathe properly. So throughout this whole process, uh, of course, I had to do some of that, and I had to work on my own breathing. So I brought this morning something that I have used for several weeks now, this little guy right here. So this is called an incentive spirometer. There you go. I'm not a health guy. I'm not from medical profession background, but those who are know what this is. So what happens, of course, you have this funny looking tube. This is not an elephant. It's a little tube here. Over here on this side are a series of numbers going up and this marker, this yellow marker right here. This was my goal. Based on my age and height and weight and all that kind of stuff, it said this is what your goal is. Over here is an indicator that tells you whether you're breathing in too fast or you're breathing at just the right level. So I'm gonna do this right now. I'm probably gonna embarrass myself and not make my goal because I've been talking and singing a lot. I'm already out of breath. So the goal is for you to inhale here slowly and this white thing will rise up here and you should hit your goal. In the process, over the last weeks, I've done this multiple times throughout the day because it exercises your lungs to get to a place where you can hit your capacity that you need because there's nothing worse than being short of breath. Amen? So, here I go. Let's see how I do with this. Oh, I didn't quite hit it. Let me try it one more time. did it. Awesome. Hey, that takes work. I'm telling you, that is like a workout in and of itself, but I needed it. I needed it to get more oxygen into me. I needed to increase my lung capacity. Now let's build a bridge. Let's connect all this together. God always has a purpose for everything he creates. Your body is not some random design that evolved over millions of years. It is intricately, wisely created by a holy, loving, intelligent, sovereign God. Every system in it has a purpose and a function, not just physically, but spiritually. You and I also, when you were born again, you became a new person. Amen? 
You are not who you were. There is a new being that is you. And just as my physical being needs intake and output, my new spiritual man needs to breathe in what God has for me and breathe out what he has done in me. Take in his goodness, breathe out his grace. Breathe in his love, breathe out love for others. And this is to be an ongoing process as I live. And just as you're gonna breathe today some 20,000 times, as spiritual people, you and I ought to be in the regular rhythm of breathing in truth, wisdom, grace, hope, vision, and life from God and regularly breathing that out, living that out to the people around us. Knowing how to breathe in, knowing how to exhale what he's done in us and do it in a regular rhythm all day, every day. You would not survive if you only took one breath per week on a Sunday morning at 1030. You'd struggle. In fact, you'd be dead. So I just mean, just, just straight out. So God has a purpose for breathing. God has something he wants to teach us about breathing. And as new creations, you and I have been given life, life that is to be abundant. And he has called us to breathe in deeply who he is. So let's look at a couple of scriptures as a setup for our main passage today. Genesis 2, 7 describes what God did. It says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. Here is God creating Adam and Adam is complete in his form But the thing that gives him life is when God breathes into Adam. The word breath is another word in the scripture sometimes. The word spirit. That word spirit is translated breath. In fact, it would be an interesting thing I would challenge you this week when you're reading through scripture and you come to the word spirit, just read the word breath right there and watch what happens to passages. So here's God and he breathes his spirit or breath into Adam and Adam becomes, as it says here in the new King James, a living being. In the King James, it says a living soul. Now, all of the animals up to this point had received a breath of life, not because God breathed it into them. He created them with it. But here God does something unique with Adam. He breathes into him his own essence, his breath, who he is, his heart, his passions, his desires, his very essence. He comes intimately close to Adam and breathes into him. And Adam, the very first act of being alive, breathes. 
what God breathed into him. And he became, I like the King James better, a living soul. He came alive. I don't mean just physically, but Adam came alive spiritually. He knew God because the very essence of God was in him. This is what allowed them to walk in fellowship. This is what allowed them to walk together. This is what allowed them to be in the garden and walk and talk and Adam to hear and receive and enjoy life because he had the very essence, breath of God in him. That's Genesis 2, 7. Now, we know from the story of Scripture that that God then established a pattern for Adam. He said, Adam, I have created this place for you to live, this garden, and I want you to enjoy all of it. Adam, I want you to enjoy everything that's here, but here's one commandment I give to you. Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam, stay with me, everybody. Adam, I want you to depend upon me to tell you all that is good and all that is evil. That is your role. That is how you will always be dependent upon me. My breath is in you. My life is for you. But Adam, trust me. I don't want you to take on that role. It's not up to you to decide and know good and evil. You depend upon me for that. And then God did a curious thing. He gave Adam a choice. He gave him the freedom. Adam, if you do eat from that tree, know this, that in the day that you eat from it, you will die. In other words, Adam, the day you assume a role that you were never meant to assume, my breath will leave you. Not the physical life breath, but the essence of God. There would be a split, a departure, and Adam, you will die. Now, of course, again, we know the story of Scripture. We know what happens next. Adam does take and eat. In Genesis 2, 16, it says, The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree in the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Adam did eat willingly of that fruit. And in that moment, Adam and Eve felt the effects of death. Their physical body did not die immediately, but what they experienced were a need all of a sudden to hide from God. What they experienced was shame and guilt. The glory of God that clothed them was now gone. They lost their peace, their passion, the intimacy. They blamed each other for what happened. They made their own coverings for themselves to cover their nakedness. And they lost the ability to live in the peace and joy and dependence upon God that they had been called to. Mm. It not only affected them, 
but it affected their children and their children and their children on down the line to today. Every child born, you and I, are now born into a world, watch this, with physical breath. The first thing a baby does when he leaves his mother's womb is it starts with a breath. But when that baby is born, what that baby does not have is the spiritual breath and essence of God within them because of Adam's choice. We are born with the breath of life, but we are born, as the Bible says, in sin and breathless of God until the day that you and I repent and receive, then the breath of God enters us. So, Scripture then walks us forward because generations are born breathless. And because they refused God's ways, they are born in death without the breath. And then God begins to paint the picture of what's coming. God says, there's going to be a day that will come when there will be one who will bruise this serpent who caused all of this. There'll be a day when a lamb will come who will be the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. There'll be a day when the very essence of God will no longer dwell just on kings and priests as they began to see, but prophecy said there's going to be a day when the very breath and essence of God will one day return and dwell in man again. And the Old Testament would paint pictures of this. There was the tabernacle that housed the glory of God, the temple that housed the glory of God. And it was a mystery to think that there could be another day that the breath and essence of God would not just dwell in front of man, on man for a time, but in man. And this brings us to our passage today, Ezekiel. So let's look at Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. You saw these on the screen earlier, but I want us to look at these. I'm going to read them, then we're going to jump into them and see what God has to say to us. Ezekiel 36, verse 25 says, Then, referring to this prophetic proclamation about a time that will come, Then, in that day, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new, what's the word? Breath or spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit or breath, God says, I'll put my very spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. I believe in these verses right here, we see a prophecy about a time that we now live in. Some truths about who we are 
and what I believe are some indicators that you and I truly are breathing in the depths of what he has done for us. You know, it's possible to be shallow breathers, just to breathe in short little shallow breaths in the physical realm. But it is also very, very possible in the spiritual realm to be those who take in tiny little short breaths. I take in little pieces of God and I wonder, why am I struggling so much in my life? Why do I deal so much with conflict, internal problems, anxiety, stress, fear, discouragement, hopelessness? Why do my thoughts always trail off in negative patterns? Why is it I don't ever have a sense of God present with me? Why is it I don't hear God speak to me when I hear other people say God speaks to them? I'm going to tell you, I believe the answer to all of those is that we are not breathing spiritually deep. We are shallow breathers. So today in this passage, seven indicators that you are breathing healthy, deep, spiritual breaths, that you truly are taking in what God has called you to take in. And I'll just tell you up front, some of this may be awkward and painful today because you're going to see some things and you think, oh my, I think I'm a shallow breather. I am not taking in the kind of deep, healthy breath from God that he intends for me to have. And in the same way that your physical body will suffer if you're not breathing deeply, your spiritual life will suffer if you're not breathing deeply. So let's take this passage, break it down, and I'm going to show you, number one, what I believe is the first indicator that you are breathing deeply. Here it is. Number one, freedom from voices of guilt, shame, and accusation. So the first part of that passage there we read where God says, here's what I'm going to do in that day. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. That's interesting. It uses the word sprinkle here. But sprinkle in Ezekiel's day was a word they would have known well. It's the period of the temple. It's the period where they know that sacrifices are made to atone for sin at the temple. Very different day than today. You didn't show up today with a lamb or turtle dove or any kind of animal sacrifice to atone for your sins of the last year. Aren't you glad? That's not what we do when we gather. Back in his day, however, that was customary. And for things to be made holy, an animal had to be sacrificed and the blood was taken. And this is going to all sound so gory and uncouth to us today. They would take the blood then and sprinkle it on the doorposts of the tabernacle or temple or on the items that were going to be used for the service of the Lord. And those items were then declared holy. They were to be used for God's purpose only because they had been sprinkled with the blood. And so to atone for sin and to be set aside for God's purpose, the blood had to be spilt and the blood had to be sprinkled. But they were all pictures of a sacrifice that would come. 
They're all pictures of Jesus, the lamb who would take away the sins of the world. Because Jesus would go to the cross and Jesus would suffer there, not just the physical torment of nails and a crown, but he would suffer the spiritual torment of every evil spirit mocking him. He would suffer there because he would bear your guilt, your shame, my shame and sin. And there he would stay faithful to the end and become the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. He would do that work. And as a result, afterwards, today, you don't come to atone for your sin with blood. You come to Jesus Christ who has poured out his blood. That's how we come and we come by faith to receive that. I believe that's why in this passage, he doesn't say blood. He says, you come and water will be used. Mm. You will have water that will picture your washing because you have been washed under the blood and you will be set apart because you will be washed in the process of walking with Christ. When Christ died for you, he took upon himself your sin. Now look, I don't say sin in general here. I want you to think about your life for just a moment. Your failures, your guilt, your shame that you carry. I don't want you to camp out in it because that's enough to discourage anybody. Because when you came to faith in Christ, what happened then is you saw that Christ paid for every one of those sin so that you would never, ever, ever have to replay the tape, bear the guilt, or deal with that sin again. That is why in Romans it says there is therefore now no, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It goes on and says, to those who walk in the spirit or in the breath. Yeah, it does. One of the things that you and I ought to be experiencing as deep spiritual breathers who breathe in that our sin has been paid for, that our guilt has been removed, that he was the once and for all sacrifice for sin, that there is no more condemnation for me in Jesus Christ. As I breathe that in, I ought to be free from guilt, from shame, and any accusation that the enemy would try to bring my way. I should be free from that. And if you are still carrying today your tapes of the past, if you're still trying to work off somehow what you did then, if you're still weighed down with the shame, if you're still weighed down with the uncertainty, if you're still weighed down with the insecurities, I'm going to tell you, you're not breathing deeply. You are not breathing in what God has intended you to soak up and enjoy and say, praise God, I'm free. That's what he invites us to. If you're carrying anything else than that, you're not breathing deeply. You're taking shallow, shallow breaths. And when you take shallow breath, you won't have the energy. 
your body won't rest and you'll open yourself up to infection. You must learn to breathe deeply spiritually. Mm. That's just number one. Number two. Indicator number two that you're breathing deeply. There's a change in your heart, in your thinking, in your priorities, in your conversation and behavior. God promises this in this passage. He says, I will cleanse you from all your filthiness. God says, here's what I'm going to do for those who believe in me. I'm going to cleanse them, but then I'm going to do a process in them in which I cleanse them from their filthiness, the ways that they have thought, acted, talked, entertained themselves, everything that they once did, I'm going to begin a process where I change all of that, a process of change. It's one of the clearest indicators that you really are walking in faith, that you are not today what you were last week, last month, last year. Just to be honest, if you are not any different in your faith and in your life and in your habits, in your conversation, in what you look to for entertainment, if that's not any different in you than the past, you're not breathing deeply. Change is one of the most evident forms that the breath of God is entering us because He's all about changing us. He is working all things together to conform us to the image of Christ. If you need a refresher on that, go back to last week's message. Listen to that online. God is in the process of changing us. Everything that's happening in your life is designed for that. Outwardly and inwardly. The spirit and breath of God is inside you saying, change. Do this. Trust me. Change. And God promises, I'm going to cleanse you. I'm going to walk you out of where you've been. I'm going to change how you talk. I'm going to change how you walk. I'm going to change where you go. I'm going to change the way you think. I'm going to change the way you perceive life. I'm going to change the way you act toward your wife. I'm going to change the way you act toward your husband. I'm going to change the way you parent your children. I'm going to change the way you children relate to your parents. I'm going to change the way you see the future. This is what God is absolutely about in our lives. He's persistent in it. And just because you can't see it doesn't mean he's not doing it. In fact, if you can't see it, it's because you're not breathing deeply. It's because you're breathing shallow spiritual breath and you wonder why other people talk about hearing God, seeing God change in their life and you just don't get it. It's because you're not breathing deeply. 
Number three, God's not finished with what he wants to do in us. Also says in this process that he will cleanse us from all your idols. Now, this is one of those verses that it's easy to shift into, oh, that's Bible talk and not for today talk. Because you and I don't think about idols like we think about idols in their day. You and I think when it says idols that there's these statues on the corners and there's these temples to strange gods and there's a little Buddha figure or some kind of god that's in people's homes and they, they respect it and they pray to it. And we think of that as idols. But let, let's think of a, a good definition for an idol An idol is anything we look to besides God for our security, comfort, stability, peace, satisfaction, help, and salvation. If you're looking to anything else for your peace, your stability, your comfort, your soul rest, your sense of I wanna feel better about myself, if you're looking to anything else other than Christ, that thing is an idol. And God says, what I'm doing in my people's lives is cleansing them from their dependence on their past idols. And everybody in this room has had some things in your past that you've looked to for those things. Some things that you've looked to for your comfort some things that you've looked to to settle your mind, some things that you've looked to to just kind of feel better at the end of the day, some things that you've looked to to settle your racing mind. And from what I read in Scripture, if it's anything but Christ, that thing, whatever it is, is an idol. And God is trying to cleanse that from your life. He's working at it to create desire in you that says, I'm tired of looking to that thing now. I want to look to Christ alone. And he'll arrange the events of your life to help you get to that spot. And the only way you get there is by truly learning how to breathe deeply. So, Do you have some dependencies in your life that are idols? Do you have a dependency on um, looking to other people for your approval? Do you look at the people around you and think, I need to make them happy. If I can make them happy, then I'll feel better about myself. That is an idol. And if you want to break that chain of looking to other people for your acceptance and your approval and your worth... You learn to breathe in deeply that you have been made accepted in Christ by faith. And you see that the Godhead, the Trinity, is approving of you because of what Christ has done. Hey, you'll break that idol. God will cleanse it from your life. You say, well, I mean, one of the things for me, just honestly, you might say is, I like to go buy stuff. When I'm feeling bad, off I go. You know, I'm on to... I'm on to Amazon, I'm going to Target, I'm going wherever, I'm going to, uh, you know, the gun store, whatever you might want to be for you, you know, whatever it is. Not to get too personal or anything. Everybody's got their thing. 
and, and you say, okay, all right, I'll be a little honest about those things. I, you know, I start feeling a little depressed. I want to go buy something. I get it. You know, I got the debit card and the whole thing. And so you go and you do and you get back and you feel good about yourself until you get home. And your spouse says, what'd you do? Oh, I just bought some things, <laughs> you know, and it turns out to not, yeah, I see a lot of elbowing going on right now. <clears throat> and it erupts into far more than you thought and it causes problems. And, and then, you know, you put your head on your pillow at night and you think, okay, oh man, I shouldn't have bought that thing. What, what was I thinking? You know, that's because in that moment you thought your happiness and joy and peace was attached to that thing. I get it. I understand it. You want to break that? You learn to breathe in the treasures that you have received in Jesus Christ. You start meditating on that. You start taking that in. You start taking in all he has done for you. You breathe that in. You'll break that dependency. Look here. You'll never break any kind of action just by telling yourself stop doing that. You'll only break whatever action is you're doing when you breathe in a new form of grace from God. Just remember that. That's going to be important in this whole series. God says, I'm going to, I'm going to cleanse you from your idols. Number four. God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit or breath within you. When you come to faith in me, I'm going to change you. I'm going to take your heart, the very core of who you are, your motivations, your passions, your drives, your longings. I'm going to take that and I'm going to put a new heart in you and a new spirit, a new breath within you. You're all of a sudden going to have some new passions in your life, some new direction, some new interests. It's one of the clearest indicators that you've been born again. You were walking this way, and now all of a sudden you have a desire to walk this way. You have a passion for that. In other words, you have a desire to separate from the world and live righteously. It's an indicator that you have breathed in the breath of God. Where all of a sudden, things that you once had a taste for in the world, it loses its taste. Think, that's not what I thought it was anymore. I need a new taste. And all of a sudden, you turn and you start walking in a new path, chasing some new things interested in being around some different people, interested in all of a sudden going to that place called church, all of a sudden interested in being around some people who call themselves Christians, all of a sudden interested in talking about how to live out this faith, all of a sudden willing to put aside the way you talk and the way you walk because you have a desire now to live righteously, to be like Christ. That's because his breath is within you if you're breathing it in. And you might say, you know, I don't know. I mean, I just don't have the strength and power to live righteously. I mean, that's a pretty high calling. I mean, I can't do all of that. I struggle with living life, much less trying to live righteously. I just don't know how to live holy. I don't know if I can, I'm not very good at that. If you're not good at it and you don't have a desire for it, you don't have any willpower in it, 
it's because you're not breathing deeply. Breathing deeply. Breathing in what God has done for you will fill you with desire to walk with him. First Peter wrote, when chapter Peter wrote in First Peter 1, 15 through 16, as he who called you is holy, you also now be holy in your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. That spirit and breath that's in you is a holy breath and it desires holiness. It desires righteousness. Paul would write in Galatians, he says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the breath that God is breathing into you and those desires will change. You won't be like you were. If you have shallow willpower to walk in righteousness, it's because you've been breathing shallow breaths of what Christ has done for you. When it becomes a regular, routine, breathing pattern, God, I'm breathing in all you've done for me, then you'll start breathing out and living out that life which is righteous. Number five, God said, I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and I'll give you a heart of flesh. Mm. That's what you and I have before we come to know Christ. A heart that's hard. It's mean. It's cruel. It's bitter. It's weighed down with guilt. It has no capacity to have sensitivity to the people around them or God working in them. You ever known someone with a hard heart? They walk around and just blister the people in their lives with their words. They don't care about their heart. They're consumed with themselves. They want what they want, have no interest in what you need, and they are brutes. They're angry. They're bitter. They're self-justifying. They're cruel. They're self-exalting because their heart is rock hard. But the evidence that God has worked in your life, according to this passage and so many others, is that he takes that heart of stone and he removes it. And in its place, he puts a new heart. And this is a heart of flesh. It beats with passion. And it hears God. And it's sensitive to God. It hears God prompting them inside. It hears God leading them. It hears God speaking truth to them. It hears God unveiling new things to them. It hears God in moments like this. 
speaking personally to them. And this heart is also incredibly sensitive to others. It's able to sense when someone else is in need, when someone's hurting, when someone's without Christ. And this heart beats with compassion and wants to do something for them. These are the indicators that you have been taking deep breaths from the throne of God. You have a new and heightened and even ongoing, increasing sensitivity to God. You are walking in this ever-increasing where it just seems like regularly, daily, God's speaking to you and you sense it and you're aware of it and you're changed by it and you grow in it. This is an indicator that you're breathing in deeply. But if you say, I can't even tell you the last time I heard God speak. I'm not even sure what it sounds like. I remember a time 20 years ago when he did something, but I, nothing since then. I don't even sense other people's hearts. I don't, I couldn't tell you if my wife was hurting or if my husband was in need. I, I don't know. I would say to you, you are not breathing deeply what God has for you. You're taking shallow breaths and shallow breaths make shallow people with shallow faith. So God gives us these promises of things he will do. Number six, God says, I'll put my spirit, my breath, my essence within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. Statutes is another word for commandments or laws or his precepts, his ways. And God says, in that day, which is our day, he says, I'm going to put my breath in you, not just on you, not near you, but if you receive it, I'll put it in you. And he says, here's the result. It's going to cause you to want to walk in his statutes. He doesn't force. He doesn't whip. He says, I'm going to put desire inside you to want to know my ways. I'm going to create something within you that says, God, I want to know how to live out my faith in my marriage I want to know how to live this out in my relationships. I want to know so I can get past those idols I've leaned on in the past. God, I want to know so I can see your way for my future. God, I want to know. And you do. And you seek him. And you walk in his ways. This is the evidence that you're breathing in deeply. You have a passion to know truth. God has revealed his truth to us today in Scripture. His word is his revelation to us. In a message that's coming later in this series, do you know what the New Testament says about this? All scripture is God-breathed. Woo! 
This is the breath of God from him to us. And if you want to to take in his breath, you have to take this in. This is his breath. This is his essence. This is his story. This is his truth. And if you're not taking in this, you're not taking in his breath. Do you regularly read God's word? Do you take time to memorize it? Do you take time to meditate on it? Do you take time to study it? Do you take time to listen to what others are teaching about it? Do you listen to some podcast? Do you listen to some music that reinforces God's word? Do you listen to other people and their conversations about God's word? Do you share with your family what you have learned from God's word? Those are all the ways that we breathe this in. And if you're not breathing that in like that today, I'm sorry, but you are going to face life with shortness of breath. He calls us to walk in his ways, to know him deeply. And his word becomes one of the clearest ways we can know. His heart, his essence, and his breath. Our last one today, number seven. God says in the end of 27, and you will keep my judgments and do them. The word for judgments here is a, it's a Hebrew word that means the process for making decisions about life. Making a judgment call. Knowing truth and knowing what to do about it. But especially as it relates to people who are being mistreated in life. Judgments refer to justice. Jesus came and was very concerned about justice being done because he saw people being mistreated. He saw people being led away as captives. He saw people like sheep who were being mistreated. It's why Jesus would say, The spirit of the Lord or the breath of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus had a sense of justice and judgment about him because he wanted to see other people set free. One of the evidences that you are breathing in the very essence of God is that you will want to see other people set free. Life will not just be about you. You will see people wrapped up in guilt and shame and accusation and condemnation and anxiety and fear and conflict and worry. And you will say, I've got to help them. I can't stand to watch people be held captive. It's the evidence that you are breathing in the essence of God. You want others to be free. But if you're not, and all you're doing is breathing in short, shallow breaths from God, 
you will be a short, shallow believer who's only concerned about yourself. So, as we come to the end of our diagnosis today, this painful exam from the heart of God, how are you doing? How's that breathing? I'm still working on my, my physical breath, trying to get where I need to. And I'm still working on my spiritual breath, trying to get where I need to. God's calling me to breathe in deeply his grace, his truth, his wisdom. And then to live that out, exhale hope, peace, grace, and love for the people around me. In this series, we're going to take the journey of learning how to breathe deeply. Don't get frustrated that this week you haven't fully learned how to breathe deeply. This will be a process. I didn't, I didn't make any progress on this thing after just a couple of days. It took me a while. I'm still working on it. This process of breathing in the grace of God will be a process. But I'm willing to go the journey. Are you? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I'm so grateful that when darkness and chaos rule this planet, that your spirit and your breath was hovering over it and on the verge of bringing forth new life. I thank you that you are still in the process of breathing into us today by your own spirit, your own essence. And I pray as people of faith that we would be eager to learn how to breathe in more, to take in what you have for us, that that would be our delight, our joy, and that it would radically change us, that we would no longer look like what we look like today because we've become a people who know how to breathe deeply your truth and your grace. So, Father, I thank you for your word that teaches us We receive today, we breathe in what you have breathed out. In Jesus' name we pray.